Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Stretch run of Grant and Danny. Taking you up to 6.30 on the fan. Thank you for making the show part of your day. We appreciate it. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary as a show, didn't we? Was that yeah, what we did? no, we just yeah, it was 10. It's kind of it's still weird to me. I was I was thinking it was 10. Our next guest has had a run more successful and illustrious and for much longer than us. He knows what it's like to Feel like you're not always working for a living, I would imagine, because he did it better than anyone. Looked like he was having a lot of fun along the way. The great Peter King, who you can follow on social at Peter underscore King, uh, just put up Football Morning in America this week, called himself the luckiest man on earth. It's been real. And he dropped a bombshell on us all, The Last Ride, writing his weekly must-read columns as one of the great insiders and columnists in league history. Peter, thank you so much for the time. Welcome back on in D.C. How are you? Hey, great to be on with you. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, it was, uh, it's been an interesting week. It's only three days old. It's a little bit been a little bit crazy so far, but I appreciate the outpouring of, of uh, friendliness, shall we say. Well, it's it's certainly well deserved. I mean, the the first stop, you know, for for so many football fans like myself, uh, growing up with it, and even to adulthood, it was a, a great constant for, uh, for for so many fans. Peter, if you would pour over it for a second, think about a, a time where you were writing or you were covering something where you had kind of one of those "oh my god" type moments where it just seemed so big. The the moment that really happened to me in my life. Uh, was when I was uh, 32 years old. Um, I had just been hired by Sports Illustrated in 1989. And in those days, SI did this thing where they would, they would send writers out to games and they would have an idea going into the weekend which game they were going to be featuring that week in the magazine. So they would send like four writers out and Three of them would be what they call babysitting the game. And if something incredible happened, you would uh, basically you would cover that and you would write about that game. But you were there to babysit the game just to make sure that nothing uh, that they weren't going to get caught short if something great happened. So the game was Philadelphia hosting San Francisco at the vet in 1989 in week three. And the 49ers were getting absolutely pummeled. And I said, well, no need. They're not going to, this game stinks. They're not going to ask me to do anything. And then in the last 14 minutes of the game, after Joe Montana got sacked eight times in the first 46 minutes of the game, 
he threw four touchdown passes hmm. to win the game in the fourth quarter. And by the end of the game, I not only was not babysitting the game, I not only was going to write about the game, but this was going to be the cover for next week. And it's a cover I'll never forget. It arrived in my mailbox the following Thursday. And on the cover was Joe Montana in a classic quarterback's pose. And it said, Jolton Joe. And I wrote that story. And what occurred to me in the fourth quarter of that game is, son, you better grow up because you're not a kid anymore. You're not a a kid at Ohio University wondering who's going to hire you. You're not a kid at the Cincinnati Inquirer covering Xavier basketball. You're not at Newsday covering the New York Giants. You're at friggin' Sports Illustrated, and you're covering one of the great games of Joe Montana's life. Don't F this up. And that is the moment where, you know, sometimes guys say, this is my welcome to the NFL moment. That was my welcome to the big time moment. Yeah, no kidding. That's an iconic image. When you said it, I could picture it with him kind of, you know, left shoulder. Looks like a statue. Right yeah. shoulder. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that, that's one of the all-time SI covers, no doubt. Uh, Peter, I think people now, they know you as a, an insider and a columnist. But as you were such a great reporter, you were so plugged in. I'm curious how reporting on the NFL has changed over the years. The era that I've been in here, a lot of it is kind of, especially with insiders, it's just hear something, put it out. Which is not quite yeah. the same as reporting. Um, there's also well, access journalism yeah. where, you know, people are buddies or, you know, you put this out, I'll, I'll pat you on the back. Has that always yeah. been the case or is that more a thing now? How is that? Like? Well, I think you have to draw a line between a lot of the what I would say the new insiders are. And look, I'm not an insider anymore. For the last 10 years, I have not been, you know, competing on a daily basis with Schefter or Ian or, or Glazer, those guys are, you know, and now Tom Pelissero is, is really great. But I, so I don't, I don't do that anymore, but I will say this. I think those guys are fantastic. Really. I think uh, obviously Adam is great. I think Ian is great. I think Pelissero is going to be the next great one. I, but, but anyway, my point is, I do think there are a lot of people who in the business who are fairly, maybe they're newer, they haven't been doing it for as long, and organizations hire them and call them, you know, newsbreakers or, or insiders or whatever it is they call them. And really, all they are are reporters who cover the NFL, who have these titles. And there's nothing wrong with that, but then they pass them off as these guys who are inside the game and all that, and they're not really. And that is what is different. And I think <clears throat> I think one of the things that I have loved about my job like the last 10 years is, you know what gets me really excited? I'll tell you, it, the, the last two cut before my uh, retirement column on Monday, my last two columns were, 80 minutes in a car and in his parking space, Kyle Shanahan talking about his hopes and dreams and having one to get off the schneid about winning a big game and, and the real story of how they drafted Brock Purdy and all that stuff. 
that is friggin' fun to be able to write those things because most of what he told me I had never heard before. And then the last, my Super Bowl column was 10 minutes alone with Andy Reid and my videographer after the game telling me the origin of Tom and Jerry, which was basically what Corndog morphed into from last year uh, when I was with Reed after the game, and he told me that. And those are the kind of things. And, and honestly, the way those things get done is you work on them for a long time. I broached this with Andy Reed in St. Joseph, Missouri, on about August 6th in training camp. I said, listen, when you win the Super Bowl again, I want to do the exact same thing I did last year. And he's kind of jolly laughing about it. And he said, oh, okay, sure. Because obviously I, if we win the Super Bowl again, man, you could do whatever you want, you know, and I got the same agreement with Kyle Shanahan. So those are the kind of things that, that at the end got me the most excited in the end. That was my sort of, I'm not the insider in terms of news breaking, but that is what, I really got a kick out at kick out of at the end of my career. Peter King with us here on Grant and Danny. Peter, if you would, over the course of your career, how has the NFL changed for the better? And give me an example of how you think maybe the NFL has changed for the worse. In my opinion, and this is going to be an odd change for the better, but I love the internationalization of the game. I've been to the last two games, the only two games the NFL's ever had in Germany. In Munich last year, uh, Tampa Bay versus Seattle, and then in Frankfurt this year, Kansas City versus Miami. And for those who say, oh, my God, keep all the games over here and all that, look, the NFL has 272 regular season games. You're not going to miss five of them. You know, you're not going to miss Jacksonville and – whatever, Atlanta, you know, so take it easy on that and understand that, that sort of feeding this monster in the, in other parts of the world, people love the NFL. And I love the fact that the NFL is taking advantage of that love and putting four or five games every year in countries that have this insatiable desire to see it. That's the good. I think <clears throat> I think the bad is we talk about insatiable desire is the NFL's insatiable desire to get every last buck when it comes to sports betting. And I don't I think we'll look back on 22, 23, 24 and in about 2030, 31, 32 we are going to see people a lot of people whose lives have been ruined by sports gambling. And look, I, you, I probably, a lot of people are saying, oh, okay, uh, grandma, go, go back to bed. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, let us, let us have our fun and gamble on football. Well, of course you can, and you're going to do it. But all I can tell you is that I just believe that a lot of people are going to gamble beyond their means. You know why? because this is humanity and humanity does things oftentimes that are not the best thing for them. And so you asked me what I thought was good and what I thought was bad. Those are my two things. Peter King with us here on Grant and Danny. This will be a tough one because you're racking your brain on the, 
spot here over many, many years. But I'm curious into whether it could be just a good relationship you had, but someone you really enjoyed spending time with that was either the most, um, you know, welcoming, just a, a star player, coach, whatever that you always really got a kick out of. And then if there was someone who maybe your relationship was rocky initially or maybe they were misunderstood and eventually it improved, anything that stands out in that regard over the years? I'll change it a little bit. Um, I covered the Giants in the 80s for Newsday, a paper in New York. And one of the best guys I dealt with ever in that job was Bill Belichick. He wasn't necessarily funny, but he was very helpful. And he understood that writers had a job to do, and he was really, really good with them. So this and, is a different. Um, this isn't the guy that became the coach of the Patriots. Or it's same, a different Bill Belichick, same guy? right? This, this is the guy. Okay, <laughs> okay. this is him. Okay. And then, and then he gets the job in New England, and I wrote a eight-page, um, probably what we thought at the time this could be the last big story ever written on Belichick and SI. I spent six weeks on it, went to his house, everything like that. And then Spygate happens. And I was highly, highly critical of Belichick who grew up in Annapolis, Maryland, in a, in a Naval Academy coaching family with his dad, Steve. I just thought it was disgraceful what he did. And I wrote about it, talked about it. I have not talk to him since pass each other at things like league meetings. He just looks the other way. And so that was one that kind of went sour and that's just the way things go sometimes. Mm -hmm. Real quick. Have you, have you extended the olive branch to try to, Oh yeah, twice. Okay. I did it twice and he had no interest. So, Hey, that's the way life goes. No harm, no foul. Okay. That's okay. I mean, we're not supposed to be in love with everybody we cover or vice versa. So that's fine. But I think one of the guys who I've really enjoyed getting to know a lot over the years uh, was Brady, because I think he really appreciated the fact, even after I couldn't really do very much for him anymore. I mean, he would comment on things that were in my column. And I don't, I don't know how much he read it, if he ever did, but he acted like he did. And you know, seven days after he came back from 28 to three against the Falcons uh, and beat Atlanta in the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, I'm sitting there in a log cabin in Montana. He's just come off a ski slope, and we spend, I think I'm right in saying, 76 minutes talking everything that happened in that game in the last 10 or 15 minutes, talking about his approach to to life and to uh, and to fitness and all that. And and at the end of it, I said, hey, I need to take a picture of you. And he goes, well, it can't be just a picture of me. It's got to be a me and you. I said, okay. And he goes, honey, honey. And so here comes Giselle. And uh, <laughs> we talked for a little while, and she came out and took a picture of me and Tom Brady in the wilds of Montana and uh, the photo credit was photo for Sports Illustrated by Giselle Bunchen. So it was one of those things that the photo credit, even though my yeah. story was pretty good, the photo credit was better 
That's a, that, I think it's a Peter King modeling shot there. I think you can officially say that. Uh, yeah. So, Peter, you know you're 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 on in DC, and I, and I got to ask you this one. I'm sure there are 32 markets, by the way, that with where where fans have felt this way, right or wrong. There are so many, you know, then Redskins fans that decided. Art Monk's not in the Hall of Fame because of Peter King. Yeah. And Joe Jacoby yeah. should be in. And so should Brian Mitchell. I feel strongly about both those guys, by the way, but I grew up fans of them. A, how much of that did you ever receive? Not just from here, but nationwide as someone with such an outsized presence and, and, and influence for, for so many people. But would love for you to reflect well, on stuff like that. Well, first of all, it would be quite a talent if I could have kept any person out of the Hall of Fame. And the fact is, that for several years I voted against Art Monk when it came down to the final vote, just because it was very simple. I didn't dislike Art Monk. I had great admiration for Art Monk. But for a long time, I felt when I covered the Giants, I just remember Harry Carson, Lawrence Taylor, Belichick, those guys. I mean, they thought that Gary Clark was a better and more dangerous player than Art Monk was, period. And that wasn't just for a game or two. That was for the four years I covered the team. They thought that Gary Clark uh, was a bigger threat to their defense than Art Monk was. And, and, and I remember the, the best story about this is I love taking Amtrak back and forth. So I lived in North Jersey at the time. And a lot of times I would, if I was going to cover a game in Washington, I'd take the train down. Mm-hmm. So this one time, this porter on the train, I get off the train, and this porter is, uh, is, is taking bags off the train, and he sees me, and he recognizes me, he must have, because he muttered, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for our monk. <laughs> you know, and I said, I said, wow, these people are pretty angry with me. Um, but I will say this at the end. The last year, I remember, and we don't, we can't violate what happens in the room, but I can just tell you this, that you know why I changed my vote? I'll tell you exactly why I changed my vote. Lenny Shapiro, who obviously covered the team for a long time mm-hmm. for, uh, for the Washington Post, he said to me going into the meeting, not inside the meeting, but going into the meeting, he said, you know how you always talked about Harry Carson and how he was the greatest leader that you have seen and how incredible he was that he was the cop in the locker room. He was this, he was that. And I said, yeah, I firmly believe that. And he goes, Peter, that was Art Monk with a team that won the Super Bowl three times. That is exactly what Art Monk was. And that's one of the things, quite honestly, that Joe Gibbs had told me in these beseeching phone calls and so I said, you know, maybe maybe I am being overly stubborn, and I changed my mind. I voted for Monk, and I I hand it to Len Shapiro, quite honestly, for talking sense into me. And and although, look, I'm not one of these people who I, I always try to have an open mind every year. I've changed my mind. I changed my mind about a lot of guys over the years. If I felt the argument was good enough, strident enough, and smart enough, and that was certainly one of those times, and I'm, yeah, I'm happy he's in the Hall of Fame. Peter King with us for a few minutes here on Grant and Danny. Forgive my ignorance, but as someone who just grew up in the D.C. market, I always heard 
Now, you you were the face of him not getting in, as Danny said. Which how, is totally unfair I, to I your point, Peter. I understand that, though. How does that work? Like, it wasn't like it needs to be universal, is it? I mean, wasn't that it's a number of votes? It wasn't I'll like tell you, you exactly. Know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly why. Okay. Because I never understood that. I felt. I felt. I felt that I owed it to people. Now, a lot of guys who and women who were in that room felt like I'm not going to say a word about how I voted, what I voted, whatever. I didn't agree with that. I felt like we owed it to people to explain our votes. I owed it to people to say why I voted for a guy or why I didn't vote for a guy. Mm -hmm. And I, and so right away, the year I didn't, whatever the first year was, I forget what year was. And I said, here's why I didn't vote for Monk. And I think what I probably said, and I don't remember because it was so long ago, but I'm sure I said something to the effect of, I covered the Giants. I saw them play uh, Washington twice a year, and they were a lot. Uh, they respected Gary Clark a lot more than they respected Art Monk. And so, you know, I just felt I felt like that was an important thing to say. Just admit it. I'm not. I'm not skittering behind uh, the wall, and I don't need to hide anything. <laughs> People should know how we vote. I think it's important. The Hall of Fame is a really, really important thing. And people should know how we vote. So that's kind of how I always felt about it. Peter, you mentioned the uh, one of the fears you have kind of moving forward is sports betting, the NFL, the relationship they're in. What are the other, like, let's make sure as whoever's left in this media core that hopefully follows in your footsteps, that the young people that are you're passing the torch to, like, Here's some important things that we got to monitor here in terms of actual, whether it's league or otherwise, just some really significant storylines in the era ahead. Head trauma and making sure that the NFL has its feet held to the fire about, uh, about Will Hobson in the Washington Post wrote a great story this year about this season about uh, guys who had legitimate memory issues and head trauma and the NFL denied giving them money for their, uh, for their pain and for their cases. That pisses me off. And it should piss every fan off. Why do you think Junior Seau, when he killed himself, he killed himself with a gunshot to the chest, just like Dave Duerson did? Duerson too, yeah. Why do, you th- why do you think they did that? So their brains could be studied, so people could understand, here's why I just killed myself, because of head trauma. And what was so disheartening, in my opinion, is in 2010, two years before Seau did it, I think, and maybe a year or two before Dorson did it, uh, that there was this huge protest among players when the NFL started after these huge, huge borderline or not so borderline dirty hits uh, that they protest and say, and, and they, and they, you know, players were saying that all the NFL has just got to let us play guys know what they're in for when they play this game. But look, the fact is if the NFL doesn't stay attentive to this and doesn't start treating veteran players who, uh, you know, have dementia 
and who are living out their years in pain with no financial help from the league. I mean, they have to have their feet held to the fire. These things should not be allowed to happen. And that, I think, is uh, is something that, you know, I hope the next generation of writers. And look, I didn't do enough. I did not do enough. And I think the next generation of writers would be very wise to pay attention to that stuff. Odyssey NFL insider Peter King. So, you, you obviously, Football Morning in America, the, the column we've all read, goes away. Are, are you going to write again? Is this like Michael Jordan coming back? I don't know. We're in the I 45? don't have any yeah, idea. The 45? I don't know right now. <laughs> I mean... I just did this on Monday, and I want to take a couple of <laughs> I want to take I want to take a couple of months to do absolutely nothing. And Smart. so not this I Monday. Don't I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know that I'm visiting my grandson in Seattle uh, starting Friday for five days, and uh, hopefully, uh, I, I I just don't have any idea. I have nothing. In the offing, I have nobody's offered me anything. I, you know, so we'll see what happens. Do you remember uh, Warner Wolf, the broadcaster? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, very I, much. I read his um his biography years and years ago as a kid when I wanted to you know, still wanted to be a sports caster. And long story short, one of the things I still remember about that book is he talked about his retirement, and he said he was so bored initially that he started to structure his week. Every week he had to do like. Mondays I play pickleball. Tuesdays I go to a movie. Wednesdays I do this. So you probably still have enough football work ahead of you, but that was how he did it. Maybe a lot of pickleball in your future. Who knows? I don't know. I've never picked up a paddle, but <laughs> I might try it. I don't I really don't know. I just I want to you know Jeff Schultz of the Athletic, he retired in December and he wrote a great column and Arthur Blank said, "Man, you you know, you better find something to do or you'll be bored. And, 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 um, uh, Jeff Schultz wrote, he said, I want to be bored, please. I I've, I've never been bored. It's a good feeling. I, I'd yeah. love to feel what it was like, what it's like to be bored. I don't, I won't mind that at all. Believe me. So Peter, here's my idea. And this is actually serious. Okay. Uh, growing up in my teens and twenties, obviously I didn't really have a need for this part of, of your regular columns getting into adulthood. I did when I had kids, and I'm exhausted, and there are bags under my eyes. The coffee. I've been to two separate places that you've recommended in coffee dirtiness over the years, visiting other cities as you do. As a travel writer, your future right there. I went to Caldi's Coffee in St. Louis visiting some friends, and I went to a place in Jacksonville. Uh, I can't remember what, what, maybe it was the Bold Bean, I think, when I was stopping down for a wedding on my way to Ponte Vedra Beach. There it is. There's your future travel writing about coffee. I don't know. That sounds like a little bit too limiting to me, but <laughs> who knows? I, maybe maybe Juan Valdez will give me a call and say, hey, we'll pay you to visit all the coffee shops in America and to write about them. So who? I don't know. I have no, I have no clue. <laughs> you know, I just know I'm watching Lester Holt in five minutes and watching the evening news. <laughs> well, Peter, I, that's great. It's, it's been a thrill just throughout your career and getting to know you a little bit. Talk to you on this show over the years. Been awesome. And uh, you made us smarter football fans. So thank you. Hey, listen, thank you guys. I really, really appreciate it. It's been great to be on with you. Thank you, Odyssey, Peter. Congrats. NFL insider Peter King on Grant and Danny here on the fan.
If you missed any part of today's show, Jason Wright was with us earlier today, the president of the football operation, of the uh, business operation for the Commanders. Yesterday, the GM. Today, the president of the business side. Not too shabby. Both those interviews at the fan. DC.com and college analyst Aaron Taylor was incredible. He was great on Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, breaking all three of those guys down. He was sensational. Gave a couple great answers in there, too, including not your traditional who he thought might have the Hall of Fame career out of those three. For Darius and Ryan behind the scenes, Grant and Danny saying so long. We're back at two o'clock tomorrow. Thank you for coming. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 